if you look back when we were growing up, of course, the first couple of years of your life before you could speak, you learned about the world through story listening. You listened to everyone around you and the stories they were telling so that you could understand this new environment. And as soon as you started speaking, you became a storyteller. Welcome to Truth Behind Travel Podcast, the world's first podcast dedicated to travel recovery. I'm Dolores Semeraro, and I'm on a mission to help tourism organizations and travel professionals to lead a business that restores confidence in travel. If you're looking for a travel podcast that gives you more than just wanderlust and will help you travel better tomorrow, you've found the right one. Subscribe to the show to receive a new episode every Thursday straight to your inbox, together with travel tips and best practices of my podcast guests. Hello and welcome back to Truth Behind Travel Podcast, episode 38. It's going fast. Before we start today, I just want to take a moment to thank you. Yes, just as simple as that. Thank you for being here, for listening, for supporting the journey of this podcast. I see you. Well, who doesn't love a good story? I know I do love it. So on the podcast today, we're talking all things storytelling, and not just from a tourism and travel perspective, but from a human connection point of view. So how does storytelling work? And as a marketing tool, when does it become effective and help you connect either with your new favorite brand, if you are traveling, or with your desired audience, if you are on the other side of the river? So how do we stay top of the mind of our audience? How do we tell stories that make us connect? Well, my guest today is nothing less than a storytelling extraordinaire. He is the founder of Storytelling with Impact. And he was part of the founding team of TEDx San Diego. He tells me about storytelling and if done well, how it can really be a force for change and how we can all master the art of storytelling if we put our heart to it. Let us welcome Mark Lovett. Welcome back to the show. Today I have the great pleasure to welcome uh, a person that doesn't belong to the travel and tourism industry to the podcast, but brings us a wealth of experience, wisdom, insights on something that we all could benefit a little bit from or a lot from, and that is storytelling. Welcome, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Dolores. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. You are connecting from the beautiful Portugal today as we're recording this podcast, but you are not from Portugal. So Would you like to tell us a little bit about your story and what brought you where you are now? Well, my personal story, I would put in three phases. And phase one was many, many years in the corporate world as a C-level executive. I got tired of that and jumped out and started consulting work. And one of my clients happened to be involved with folks at the TED organization And he got me into organizing TEDx events. That process really got me enmeshed in the world of storytelling. 
working with speakers, producing events, hearing stories that could impact the lives of others. And that was something really profound for me. And after six years of doing that and producing 20 different TEDx events, I decided it was time for another change. And I had always wanted to live somewhere in Europe. I wasn't even sure where that was going to be, but I wanted to explore it more. I came from California, which meant that traveling to Europe was a very long trip. And I said, I want to travel more and to be able to have shorter flights and make it easier. And it just turned out that a friend of mine had recently moved to Lisbon and convinced me that this was a great hub from which to explore Europe. So I came and visited, fell in love with the place. And a year after that first visit, I was on a plane myself with two suitcases and a one-way ticket. And that was just over two years ago. So I've been in Lisbon now ever since. So you sort of fell in love with storytelling halfway through your life and your professional career. How did that happen? What, what did you see into this art, really, that really drawn you in and, and made you completely reimagine your path moving forward? I saw the power that story had to impact the lives of other people. When I would put on an event inside Symphony Hall and we would have 1,800 people in the audience and a speaker would come out and within a 15-minute period explain something new to the audience, offer them a different perspective from the way they were thinking, uh, bring to light uh, an issue that maybe they had heard of but didn't really fully understand. And I would listen to these audience members during the breaks and after the events and they would talk about how their view of the world had shifted. And I think there's a parallel there between storytelling and travel, because when people travel, they come back with that same experience to say, I now see the world differently because I experienced another place, another language, another culture. And storytelling is able to do that. It's able to say, this is what I've learned in my path. Let me share something with you so that you can develop a better understanding. And it really captured me and made me want to make that my new career. It's interesting you mentioned how storytelling applying to travel sort of makes us all storytellers because we, as travelers, we expose ourselves to stories, we learn new stories, we come back with stories and we obviously want to share them with the world and with our friends and families, the people we know and the people we don't know even today, thanks to social media. In a way, storytelling in travel has generated probably this whole new way of job profiles online, like, for example, travel influencers. Then they are going on and on sharing their travel experiences and their travel stories using storytelling as, as a base of work, really. And it made us, if, I, if anything, I observe every single traveler, by being exposed to travel, they became storyteller, they became better communicators, the travelers. But when it comes to choosing where to go, choosing what kind of travel product to, 
to buy versus one versus another. So there's so much choice today, so many places to go, so many brands offering so many different options uh, when it comes to travel and tourism. As travelers, we are overexposed to thousands and thousands of messages and, and content in travel. Every brand is there to tell a different story that eventually would convince travelers to to choose them versus another, to go to them rather than to competition. So as travelers, what do you think are the stories that connect the most when it comes to exactly choosing our next travel destination? So when you use that phrase, you know, storytelling and connecting, that's really the essence of it. What we do as humans is that we're constantly in a mode of creating our own story where we choose to live, where we choose to work, who we choose to live our life with, we are always asking ourselves, kind of subliminally, how can I make my life story better? What can I do to have a better narrative, a happier narrative going forward? And when it comes to travel, we're really doing the same thing. We're sort of trying on a lot of different options to say, what if I went to this city versus that city? What if I took a train versus flying? And we almost imagine in our own mind that we're in this movie of what our vacation is going to look like, what our travel is going to look like. And so this is where travel brands play such a significant role in that process, because we're hearing from these brands as to who they are, what they do, and what they can offer. And then we have to figure out which of these many options, as you mentioned, do we feel is going to be the best fit? And I think in the past, our main focus was really on quality and value. We wanted our travel experiences to be as enriching as they possibly could be. We wanted to feel that our hard-earned money was well spent. To use the phrase, it was worth it. And of course, the best phrase is, yes, I would do it again. Because that speaks to satisfaction. And when we're satisfied with an experience, we have a desire for more. So that's obviously what the travel industry wants, to have satisfied customers who say, yes, I want to do that again. So while safety has always been a concern for consumers, that factor has, of course, become more prevalent over the past 15 months or so. So we not only want to hear about travel opportunities that satisfy desires, you know, they're fun, they're entertaining, they're educational. We also need to feel that the process of that traveling is going to be safe. So we want to hear from brands that they're paying attention to the realities that we're all facing, but also that they're willing to change their business model to adapt. And I think there lies an opportunity for a brand to impress customers by doing something that both faces reality, but might actually be a little out of the ordinary, something new and refreshing. I think that's what people are more receptive to at the moment when they resurface from their months and months of homebound uh, time that they have spent sort of grounded. And now they are starting to travel again, what stands out is what grabs the most attention. And in storytelling, I see an opportunity to create, to create a content that does stand out, but not everybody is sort of grasping it. Not everybody in in tourism and travel as, as industry operator 
are mastering this skill. Where do you see brands failing at storytelling? Mm. Well, one of our primary desires as humans is simply to be understood. And from the other side of that equation, it means that we have to spend a lot more time listening before we're speaking. So before we're creating our own brand identity, we truly have to understand who that customer is. And I think most businesses have always understood that. But in changing environments, every day that we wake up, what's important to those customers can be changed a little bit. And in my view, brands that fail, they do so because they don't put themselves inside the shoes of the customer in that moment and understand what are they dealing with right now. They don't fully understand the current needs and desires, but also the challenges that they're facing. So a lot of people have challenges today with their job security or their family ties, their ability to travel becomes different. So they still want to go, but maybe they have restrictions on their life. Uh, so, you know, just as an example, the other day when you talk about a failing, uh, I got an email from a, a major airline. I'll just say that. And they were telling me that some of my points were about to expire. And they offered me some suggestions on how I could keep those points active. But namely, it was, hey, if you travel some more, then your points will be good. And I thought that at this point in time, that that messaging was rather insensitive, that it was way too early to be talking about canceling things. You know, they could have said they were extending the deadline on those points. They could have said they understood where I was at and my challenges with travel. And they could have won me over because I would have walked away with a feeling of they're paying attention to me and what my circumstances are. So in this case, I think they failed to do that. And I, they left me scratching my head with this thought of who came up with this campaign and what did they think they were trying to accomplish? Did they think that the fear of losing points would force me to negate health concerns in order to travel more? So it, it felt like they lost that sense of humanity there. I can see how some of the travelers we attract might not just be the right one for our tourism business. So how can we reconnect with our true audience? In my career, I've been a hospitality communicator for the past 15 years. I know what it means when your audience is not responding to your message. So I know the pain of many independent tourism operators and what they're going through. I want to share with you the six reasons why a tourism and hospitality brand message fails to reconnect with their desired audience and how to avoid it. All you need to do is to download the free four steps travel recovery video training that I designed for those just like you struggling to reconnect with their travel audience. The link is in the show notes. Now back to the show. Absolutely valid point. And I agree with you because I personally received quite a few of these emails as well. Your points are going to expire soon. Would you like to retrieve them and turn them into a, a dishwasher or out of our catalog, for example? Uh, I know some airlines did that and uh, very few actually 
came up with a, a more sensitive approach or so. But I did receive other emails as well. I won't name the airlines, but during the lockdown, this specific airline communicated with through newsletters and so on about all their sustainability activities and initiatives whilst they had their fleet on the ground. So how will they making the most of that time. And I thought that in that in those type of emails, they weren't they weren't selling me anything. They were just telling me what they were doing at the meantime. And they were making me, they were sort of building up in me unconsciously a perception of a brand that cares. Because they they came out with a campaign that would talk about what are we doing for the environment while everybody's at home and we can't fly our planes and you can't travel from place A to place B. Meanwhile, this is happening and we want you to be aware of it. And I think this was a great example of bringing that not just human side into the brand and into the way they communicated to their customers, but also to create an opportunity to talk about something related to responsible travel and sustainability something that perhaps many travelers today are more aware of and are more sensitive to. So for example, I see more and more about my, on my listeners and also uh, the feedback and the, and the comments that I receive out of a podcast and the work that I do in, in travel recovery. People are asking, where is my money going? Who am I helping with my money when I spend my money in, in, a, in a holiday package? Is this money staying in the local community? Am I, lose, am I using local products? Am I traveling to a remote destination that has been affected by tourism or has, been, or has a way of improving perhaps infrastructure or schooling or education in general? So travelers are now asking these questions. And this is, this is an opportunity for brands to perhaps explore a whole different side of storytelling. What do you think? I would have to agree. There's this old expression, top of mind, that when people are considering a choice, what is at the top of their list? There's no guarantee that's what they're going to choose. After a lot of evaluation, they could find a better choice somewhere in the list. But those brands that are top of mind get first consideration. And top of mind oftentimes aligns with someone's values, uh, with the quality, with their return on investment, you know, with the value that they're going to receive. So to your point in the story you just told of, of a brand that's communicating, this is what I'm doing during this time when I can't normally be serving you. When that message aligns with someone's value, that brand then becomes top of mind. So when it is time to travel, when people are thinking, now I want to consider where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do or how I'm going to get there, where I'm going to stay, their mind starts sifting through what are my top choices. And brands do have that opportunity to consistently reflect their values in alignment with their customers' values so that they stay top of mind, even when they're not selling even when things are experiencing a downturn. And that's not only true of times when a pandemic has hit, but during economic downturns also, when people are being laid off and money is tight. And so industries go through that retraction. 
But, but every downturn always turns around. Things always do come back. And when they do come back, you want to be the brand at the top of their list. What do you think are, or which one do you think are the industries um, that are proving to be more agile in these difficult times? It, it, when it comes to communication, when it comes to storytelling, of course, but some have have shown more compassion, have shown a different way of communicating on exactly what you just said, the values, you know, by going there and sort of tickling that part of that feeling, that sense of belonging, that sense of, of what, what will resonate with, with their audience. Um, some are proving to be more agile than others. Some industries are a bit more on stiff on the product side. Some others are showing more of the human side. What have you noticed? Who is winning this game, do you think? So agility is a key factor for any business. And I always tie agility to the concept of awareness. That companies need to be very aware of what's happening logistically, what's happening even within government policy decisions what consumers are doing, how their wants and desires are changing. And while every industry was touched in some way by this pandemic over the past year plus, the restaurant industry really went through a very tough time. They're still going through it, of course. And it went from things are normal to things are shut down completely and everything was closed to where things could partially open up. And I saw a lot of restaurateurs become very flexible in how they operated their business. Some, some restaurants who never offered takeout immediately said, you can come here and get takeout. Restaurants that never had a delivery service work for them said, we will now deliver food. They would alternate their menus. They would have different pricing structures so that people could then eat more affordably. So I saw a lot of creativity in the restaurant industry. And as things started to come back, one of the first things that was allowed, at least where I'm at, is outdoor dining. And so we started to see new outdoor settings spring up out of nowhere that weren't there before. And that took some interaction between the industry and the governments because there had been regulations about where you can put chairs and tables. So there was a combination of regulations being flexible and relaxing and then restaurateurs uh, taking care, taking advantage of that, I should say. Uh, musicians, of course, were hard hit, and concert venues were closed. So a lot of musicians started turning to online concerts, and some of them would charge a normal fee, but other ones also said, I'm going to have a concert, and it's pay what you can, because they knew that certain people still had their jobs, and they had money, and they were happy to pay, 10 or 20 euros for a concert, but other people had lost their job, but they still wanted to connect to music because that was important to them. So some people were able to attend at no cost. So those musicians were not only trying to generate revenue, but they were really aware of what was happening out there. They started taking advantage of digital tools that they hadn't done in the past. And I think the, the last item that I bring up, uh, of course, sitting on an airplane for hours became a real concern. And so I was watching what the airlines were doing and how they were handling that. And most all of the airlines immediately stepped up their 
cleaning procedures. They changed how their employees interact with planes. And I was really impressed with one video that I saw. You know, living in Lisbon, the main hub here is for TAP Portugal. They fly all, all over Europe. And they quickly produced a video that showed exactly how they were cleaning that plane. And that restored in me this feeling that they got it. They were listening to health experts. They were listening to the concerns of their consumers. They adapted their procedures and their policies. And now they were giving me a visual so that I could see exactly what they were doing. So back to that point of top of mind, they immediately went back to top of mind because I gained that confidence that they, they were uh, addressing the needs of the situation. These are great examples of how even when you're not necessarily utilizing the full scope of a service uh, in terms of business, you still have a way to stay connected whether you are buying the service or you are offering the service in this case. I love your example of the food and beverage industry, which was, yeah, one of the, um, perhaps one of the, if I look at the way we go about lifestyle and when it comes to freedom of movements and, and even in travel, your experience is about going to a place while, while you're on vacation, experiencing outdoor dining or a drink at the cafe or a cafe or something. So all these things were taken away. And in one of my recent podcasts, uh, one my guests mentioned, especially relate, in relation to Thailand and Koh Samui, that many of these vendors weren't there when the, the destination reopened because they were hardly hit during the pandemic. So their business closed and many of them couldn't come back as others and or couldn't reinvent themselves. So it it's, makes me smile That's something that I learned so, so many years ago in China when I was living there, where the Chinese saying that in the word, in the Chinese word um, crisis, the two idioms, the two characters that, com that com um, the two characters that form the word crisis in Chinese are the two characters that mean danger and opportunity. So, Even in the Chinese wisdom, we, we see this in, in, a word, in, in the crisis. There's an element of danger and an element of opportunity. And I see this as a connector of you know, what we're talking here today. Storytelling is an opportunity for brands to reconnect with their audience and for travelers to reconnect with their brands. So when we want to read from our brands, when we read that, message that content that gets put online on the magazine in any way possible something can reach the audience whether you're reading it whether you are watching a video or whether you're listening to to something on the radio or a podcast for example the element of storytelling or the art of storytelling as I like to call it is the opportunity that we have today to reconnect from a human point of view, from a, on a human base, because people buy from people. And in, in, in the travel industry, that everybody calls it the people's industry, I, I see that we care about the people's industry or the industry of the people. So in, in either, either way, we want to make sure that whoever, whoever persons is involved is not just buying or selling something is connected. And that's where storytelling, I think, plays a big role. But 
I wonder, and that's something I would I wanted to discuss with you on uh, on the show today. A lot of people in the industry they don't have a clear idea of how to embark on a storytelling sort of mindset when it comes to communicating with their audience. How can we help them? How can we break it down to them and make storytelling accessible? I think the first is that simple recognition that storytelling is such an essential part of who we are as humans. If you look back when we were growing up, of course, the first couple of years of your life before you could speak, you learned about the world through story listening. You listened to everyone around you and the stories they were telling so that you could understand this new environment. And as soon as you started speaking, you became a storyteller. So you were telling stories from the time you were two years old. It's how we communicate with each other. It's how we express our humanity. It's how we understand our humanity. And the storytelling continues throughout our life. And as we've talked about previously here, we're constantly creating these new stories and we're understanding what other stories can we weave into our story to make our future stories that much better. So brands, especially in the travel industry, they're always in that position of being first considered when somebody's thinking about their future story. You might wake up in the morning and go to a restaurant that day and it's a very instantaneous decision. But when it comes to travel, there's typically a lot of thought behind it. Sometimes three, six, nine months ahead of time, there's really that process of somebody envisioning what that experience is going to be like. To the ex- so to the extent that a brand can create their messaging as a story that's going to fit within their customer's story, then I think they have that opportunity connect, to connect with consumers on a much deeper level. And again, that comes back to that awareness and that agility that's required to understand what's the current circumstance, how can I adapt to it, and then how can I tell a story that consumers will listen to and basically say, I want that story to be part of my story. We were having this conversation not long ago about the anticipation of travel. So when you are planning to go somewhere, you're planning your vacation, and that is such a precious thing, your time, that's probably the only thing that can never be given back in a way. So you're investing your time, you're planning it carefully, you're anticipating where are you going, what excites you about it, And I feel there is an opportunity there for those that are receiving that booking or that travel plan. Once their client has booked, they feel like, okay, I got the booking, done, next, let's get more. But actually, the narrative around the way you communicate to those who have booked with you should change. There's an opportunity there to create a different type of story that that grows and and enhances that anticipation. And when and after the holiday, okay, the the the, the holiday itself happens and memories are made, and so after 
what what comes after after that person has gone back home how do you stay in contact with that person how do you foster that relationship how do you um how do you support those memories so that they keep sharing them with friends and family and their audience and their followers and so on do you think do you see this happening in the industry or do you have any examples or something that has happened to you for example that calls up exactly this Well, you bring up a good point about the stories on both sides of the vacation itself or the, the travel. And when someone's planning their travel, there is that anticipation. There's that sense of excitement. But people usually have conversations with trusted friends and relatives to get their opinion. So the stories that come out of a travel trip you know, afterwards, they start feeding into the next person's story. So it is important to understand that when someone comes back home, that those rich experiences are going to be passed along and that you want those experiences to be as positive as possible. Some of that, of course, is what happens during the trip itself, which a lot of the vendors have control over. But that follow-up process can help solidify those memories, can help put a, a pleasurable spin on that. And what a lot of companies do, of course, is they send a survey afterwards. Can you tell us how your experience was? I think some of those surveys are way too long and way too detailed and have way too many checkboxes. So to be short and to the point, I think is better, but also to invite a narrative. So that if somebody asks the question, whether it's an airline or a hotel or a restaurant, if they have that information, to say what was the highlight of your experience and give them an open box, not just was your experience good on a scale of one to 10, but what was the highlight? And then of course, was there anything we could have done to improve that? So it's giving them an opportunity to express the pleasure that they had in that experience, but also that opportunity to say, you're interested in my opinion and you want to know who I am as a consumer. And personally, I get more attached to brands that do that, that have that two-way conversation. They want to know how I felt after that trip, not just that focus all their energy on who can I go book next. Exactly. I think I feel that there is this sort of race towards the accumulating bookings, accumulating, obviously, growing the business, which is completely, I mean, it is a business at the end of the day, but we also, we are we are doing, we're making business where we're growing this industry thanks to people that are deciding to move from one place to the other. And when, what I observed over the last, less, just about less than two years is the priorities of travels have changed and the concerns and the way you, you actually prioritize travel has impacted the industry but also the mindset of the travelers. So as we reapproach travel and we look at brands that we used to love or we look at new brands, for example, uh, that could help us navigate these current times. I personally traveled, I've been traveling for the past four weeks at the time of this recording for the first time since two years And I, I know how I felt uncertainty, I felt mistrust, I felt 
this sort of disengagement with people sort of stepping back when somebody would get a little closer and, and all this reflex that are now part of the way we interact with others. Do you think storytelling can help brands and travelers to reconnect again, to come together again? I felt that disconnection over the past four weeks. And, and I wonder whether we have an opportunity there to use storytelling as sort of, sort of a way to find, to find your way back to, to your audience heart. You bring up a great point of how difficult it is in the very present moment that things are opening up to some extent and travel is happening. But the first thing we recognize is that travel today is not what it was two or three years ago. There is that caution, there is that apprehension, there is that wondering what is safe or what's not and just how people interact with each other can be distancing. Part of it is our own concern, but part of it is just a concern for other people too. We want to give people space. And I've often wondered, when will we ever go back to the old way of traveling where you felt comfortable sitting, you know, on a row of seats where everyone's next, next to a stranger. You. Yeah, where you can hug friends and family openly, where, you know, masks are not required. Very hard to predict the future of how that's going to happen. But I think that storytelling at each moment in that unfolding becomes important. Again, so that someone who does travel comes back and tells a positive story to say, yes, on the one hand, this trip was not like it was a few years ago. But on the other hand, here were the great things I was able to experience. I could go to this art gallery. I could eat in this restaurant. Even with a mask on, I was able to interact with locals. There were people speaking to me. And so I think that storytelling will unfold bit by bit. And vendors have to be cautious. Businesses have to be concerned about how quickly they advertise that story as a return to normal. But stay in the moment so that your story is going to be evolving constantly. Uh, but I'm seeing that reconnection now when I go into to Lisbon and into the downtown center. I'm seeing more people from other countries. I'm hearing more voices. It's not like it was two years ago, but you can see that life coming back and you can see smiles on people's faces. And you know that they're going to go home with this story, again, that's different than two years ago, but still has this story where they got to experience this rich culture. So storytelling will always be a part of this return to normal. I like your take on staying the moment. I think it's very relevant and absolutely valid because it's how can you at the moment project that content forward, knowing that everything is constantly changing, constantly evolving. People are subjected to um different type of informations and everybody is elaborating and processing informations today, whether that relates to their day-to-day -day life, their freedom of movement, their plannings, their savings, their families, everything is being processed as, you know, day by day. So I like the idea of having a narrative that 
explores the in the moment story. So there's a there's an opportunity there to reconnect, rebuild trust. And in your day-to-day work as as a as a coach, as a mentor, as a um, storyteller expert, you run lots of workshops, you now sort of navigate the online delivery. So who who are you mostly working with? The top industry, without question, revolves around climate change. Because one of the things that has become very aware lately is the fact that if you look at the difficulties we've had during the pandemic, with getting people on the same page, with getting people to follow policies and to understand what the best path is going forward, that's going to happen increasingly as climate change progresses. And we look at what kinds of transitions are going to happen. So the majority of my clients today are scientists who are studying that issue, but they need to know how to take the data that they're collecting and turn that into stories that resonate with people on that personal level. So it's not just a statistic of CO2 levels or how the oceans are acidifying or whatever that data might indicate, but to express it in human terms, what does this mean for people going forward? And it's happening more and more now, not only because online events are available, but people are seeing, or at least feeling that in the next six to 12 months, we will slowly go back to more in-person events. And that is the pandemic news, hopefully lessens to some extent. What will take its place is this news around the climate and the environment. And that's where storytelling, I think, can play a very big role in getting people to understand what's actually happening. Fascinating, especially because it does play a huge, huge role in the way we choose to travel. How can people find you? Uh, What would be the best way to contact you? Most people contact me through LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, it's slash Mark Lovett. So it's just my name. Uh, And you can find me there. And a lot of people connect with me. And some people have questions about storytelling that I'm happy to answer. Um, This is a business environment. So that's really where I focus. I do spend some time in other areas like Clubhouse, because I host rooms there on storytelling. I provide a stage for people to come and practice telling their personal stories. I've hosted some specific rooms, bringing in artists or bringing in scientists so that they can tell their stories. But LinkedIn is always the best way to connect with me. Thank you so much. I wish you all the best for the work ahead. And uh, I will leave all the contacts to, for people to reach you also and get in contact with you on the show notes of the podcast. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dolores. It's been a real pleasure to be here today to share a little bit of storytelling with your audience. And what I always encourage people to do is go out and tell stories. It can truly change the world. One story at a time. I agree. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, thank you for being with me today and for listening to the podcast. Let me know your thoughts with a teeny tiny review. If you feel like you have something to say about it, go ahead. 
And if a review is not enough, then get in touch and come and be my next podcast guest. I look forward to hearing from you. Be well and see you again next week.